0: Absolutely. Great. Great to be here. How's everybody? I, um, I, you know what? I just want to echo what Daisy said, um, that I think starting the new year out, being in church, with the church, is the best way to start the new year out, right? It's, it's You know what? We don't go to church. We are the church, and uh, we have an opportunity to, to, to come together and, and be in community. Um, and worship God, and uh, embrace His promises for our lives, right? Right? Everybody say amen. You're with me, right? And um, I, you know, uh, it was a couple of weeks ago, and, and I think Jody and I were texting, or Ira and I were just talking about the New Year's Day service, and one of the things that came into my heart uh, was the scripture that we're going to talk about today, and um, in um, Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Um, I'm so thankful that in a world of change, we serve a God um, that is our refuge, that is unchanging, right? That regardless of what happens in our life, whatever's happened in the past, Jesus Christ will always be there for us. Amen. And um, how many is happy to get through 2016? 2016. Yeah, it, it was interesting because, you know, I have a different news web pages that I go to, and everybody was saying goodbye to 2016, <laughs> just like, hey, you know, we're, we're glad that you're gone. And uh, it's, it's awesome to be able to look to 2017 and see um, a year of promise, right, and know that, that, that God is there. Um, it, it, it's amazing. So um, I, I just want to say real quick thank you to Ira and Jody um, Chase and Daisy, all of the other leadership for leading, leading the church. Can you say amen? Can we give them a hand clap? And um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's not easy to pastor. It's not easy to lead a church. Um, it's very trying, right? And, uh, but when God calls you to do something, that's what we're supposed to do. And all of us have di- different and various appointments in the body of Christ, teaching uh, different types of ministries. And it takes a lot of tenacity, right? It takes a lot of hard work. And so I appreciate our leaders and their example that they've, they've given to us. So uh, 2016 is under the blood, right? Right? I was, I was thinking, aren't you thankful that God doesn't wake up in 2017? And he's like, man, I'm just so glad 2016 is over. That was a, it was a tough year. Right? Right? Um, you know, Jesus is unchanging, but we also understand that Jesus stepped into time and space as we know it. And that's what we celebrated last, last week was the birth of Christ and that how God loved the world so much that he came as a little baby, stepped into time and place, and through his life and death, his suffering purchased life for us, Right? And 1 Corinthians talks about he who became, he who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. And so it's through Christ that we have uh, the righteousness of God, and it's through faith as we trust him. And so um, it can't get much better than that, right? Right? Amen? Amen. So um, I, 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 I thought about this whole idea of change in our life, in, in the world that we live in. Everything that's going on in our world that's full of change. How about the, the um, artificial intelligent cars, the Tesla cars? Has anybody heard about those? Right? Isn't, think, think about that. Uber is already using them. So think about that. You get on your phone, and your little Uber app, and you order, you're at the airport, and you order a car to come pick you up, and all of a sudden this car drives up, that it's driverless. Right? I think that's the way it's supposed to be. Right? Think about that. It's driverless, and you're supposed to get in this car where nobody's driving, and you're supposed to trust that this car or whoever's operating the car knows where they're going. And I, I'm assuming you put in the GPS, you know, the, the address and the coordinates or whatever. But isn't that amazing? I mean, we're almost, we're almost living in the, the Jetson age. Anybody remember the Jetsons? Right, That's about where we're at, and pretty soon they're going to create drones, and that's exactly what we're going to do. And Instead of leaving the parking lot in our cars, we're all going to have a little drone that's going to pick us up, and there we go, with the Jets and music, right? (laughs) But I think Jesus is going to come back before then. I really do, but I I may not be alive to see it, but I really really do. Um, How about... uh, Siri and Google, that's, that's a part of artificial intelligence, right? One of the things that I, I really like, and I laugh at my son, he doesn't know it, but he walks around the house with his phone, and he's always asking Siri questions. <laughs> usually, usually it's NFL questions, like, you know, how many years has Tom Brady been in, you know, the NFL? How many touchdowns, you know, um, has Odell Beckham caught this year? You know, stuff like that, but it's amazing to me that we have that type of technology at our hands right it's 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 an amazing world that we live in and technology is changing what about i mean climate change is changing right the world is changing we you know there's really nothing that we can predict that will happen because other than change but aren't you thankful that we serve a god that is unchanging right Aren't you thankful that regardless of what happens uh, today or tomorrow that we serve a God that is, that is, uh, that is unchanging? So, um, yeah, so Hebrews 13.8, I think we probably have it up. Um, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What, what does that speak to you? Um, it helps me to be grounded, right? It helps me to be grounded, um, knowing that whatever takes place in this life, um, whatever trials uh, take place, um, whatever happens with my health this year, your health, my family, I can trust God who is a God of, uh, of, of, of uh, power and love. Um, the Bible describes God in a lot of different ways. We call it the, the attributes of God. And the Bible uh, describes God as omnipresent, that he's everywhere, or omnipotent, that he's all-powerful, right? Or omniscient, that he knows all things. And so whenever you begin to look at the study of God, I mean, you and I, we we really never can get our mind wrapped around it, can we? There are volumes and volumes, thousands, tens of thousands of books written, about God and the study of God. We call it theology. So you and I in our finiteness can never understand the infinite mind of God and, and the nature of God, but we can do our best, right, according to what has been given to us and re- revealed to us in His Word. And so one of, the, one of the words or one of the attributes that is given to us or described to us in Scripture is the immutability of God and the fact that it means that God is unchanging, and so that's what the writer is talking about in Hebrews 13 God is unchanging. Jesus is unchanging. He is the same person yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? Absolutely. And so, and, you know, as I was reading, you know, there's, a of course... There's lots of books, like I said, and there's lots of uh, websites that you can find. But one that, one of the things that I found that was to me that spoke to me uh, was written by Thomas Aquinas, and he had he had several arguments about the immutability of God. And I just want to share a couple with with you. Um, the the first one is the argument that God is a God of pure actuality. Right? God is a God of pure actuality. What does that mean? Uh, God in his I amness. Right? He says, I am who I am, has no potentiality. Now, your mind is going to kind of waffle on that because when we think of somebody having potential, we think of a good thing, right? Somebody who has skills or they have abilities that as they d- begin to develop those are going to become better or more successful, right? If you, you know, we, we watch, I, I watched my son play uh, football this year. And you look at my son, you look at some of the other kids, and just like, you know what? They have, a, they have potential to be a good receiver. They have the potential to be a good soccer player, right? But God, we serve a God who has no potentiality. And, and so why, why is that? The God has no potent, that has, he has no potentiality follows, therefore, that God cannot change. And like I said, Exodus 3.14 says, I am who I am. So whatever changes has to have the potential to change. And God, because he is perfect, he has no potentiality. Okay? Um, We do not serve a God who is in a progressive state. Can I get an amen? amen? Right? We don't serve a God who was once a man and now through a progressive state, has become God, and and, and, and in whatever way that might happen. God is God, and he was God yesterday, and he was God today, and he'll be God forever. Um, The the second argument for God's immutability is his um, absolute perfection. God is perfect, and so whatever um, whatever changes acquires something new. God can never be new. He can never change because he's already perfect in who he is. Isn't that amazing? There's, there's no lack in God, right? You and I well, you know, as we grow up, we grow, we become stronger, we develop our muscles. As you get a little bit older, your body begins to break down a little bit, you begin to lose a little bit of hair, right? God is absolutely perfect in who he is. In his, in, his, in his godness. Listen to Hebrews 1.8. He says, but the, but the Son, who is what? Jesus. Who? Jesus. He says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever, and the righteous scepter is the righteous of his kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, your God has anointed you with the oil of gladness, above your companions. Listen, your Lord, you, Lord, in the beginnings laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the works of your hands. They will perish. What will perish? The heavens, the foundations, the creation of God. They will perish, right? They will perish, but you remain, and they all will become old like a garment, and like a mantle, you will roll them up and like a garment they will also be changed but you are the same and your years will not come to an end Jesus Christ is the same yesterday today and forever he will not change Malachi 3:64 says this he says for I the Lord do not change so how can we know an immutable God, a God who does not change, who is pure actuality and absolute perfection? You think about that. We're, here we are. We're finite. We're created. God is infinite. He is the creator, and he, is, he has been from everlasting to everlasting. How do, we know, how do we know that God? Well, the Bible says, and I shared it earlier, that God stepped into time and space, and revealed himself as God through the person of Jesus Christ. And, and um, because of that, God is not an inanimate object, but he is a person that we can know. He is a person that we can have relationship with. How many knows that to be true? So that's the difference between religion and, and relationship, what the Bible teaches as relationship with God. Um, look at look at first John, and I think we have it have it up there first john four seven and eight it says this: Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who is loved is born of God and knows God, and the one who does not love God does not know God, for God is love and so how how does the the Bible how does the scripture describe God? Well, it describes God in many ways, but the ex- essence of who God is, is love. Aren't you, aren't you thankful for that? And, uh, you know, uh, uh, a lot of people, as I talk to them, they'll think that I grew up in the church. I didn't grow up in the church. Um, I, I, I grew up in, in, in the Catholic church, but I, I didn't come to know Jesus at that time. Um, I am thankful for the Catholic Church in the sense that they gave me an understanding of God. But my experience with Christ came on a street in Würzburg, Germany. And uh, after I had drank, a, uh, it was a friend of mine at that time, his name was Jeff Black, um, we both got off of leave together and we came back and we, we decided that night we were going to go out and we are going to smoke a little bit of dope and we are going to drink a pint of Jack Daniels. And so that's what we were doing. And, and so, you know, you, you end up in all sorts of strange places, you know, after you drink a, a pint of, of whiskey. And um, I will never, never forget, and just through a process, a series of events, um, how Christ revealed himself to me. But it was at that time where I heard the Holy Spirit speak to me who God was and challenge me to surrender my life to him. And for me, it was instant sobriety, you guys. But let me, let me just say this to you. God didn't reveal himself to me in, in such a way like, I am God, and now this is what you have to do. God revealed himself to me in his love. And you know what that felt like to me? It felt like all of a sudden the God of the universe knew who I was. He knew my sin. He knew my shortcomings. He knew all my stupidity, but he still loved me. How many knows what that feels like? That, that God can see right through you and knows who you are. He knows your every thought. He knows your every deed. But yet he still loves you Unconditionally. And I, and I find myself, once in a while, I'm walking around and I almost feel like, and we have such a works mentality, it, it, and I think part of it's our society and the culture, but it can be in the church if we're not careful. But we have such a works mentality that, you know, we have to be a good boy and girl in order for God to love us. And if we're not careful, we're going to get on God's bad side. Any, anybody know what I'm talking about? Right. But you know what? God doesn't have a bad side. And, and he loves you and he loves me unconditionally. Isn't that awesome? And so Romans 5.8 says that God demonstrated his love towards us. He showed you and he showed me what love was. How did he do that? By sending his son Jesus to die on the cross. And so your, your choice today, this year, is whether you want to surrender your life to the purpose that God has for your life and the plan that he has. So God doesn't change in his essence. He doesn't, secondly, he doesn't change in his character. And, you know, I like this. It, the, to me, this, this is kind of where I, I, I live here. God never changes. In fact, it's impossible for God to change. The influences that cause change in your life and my life have no effect on God. He will never be stronger or weaker. Uh, His knowledge and his wisdom will not increase or diminish. God does not compromise or change His values. How many knows that God does not have a bad day? Right, He doesn't have. You know what? He doesn't have mood swings. Can you? God is just as constant as you could ever be. Just constant. You angry today? No, no. God is love. God is love. God is love. Um, I remember back when I was in Tennessee and we were, Greta and I were going to school and it, uh, we were attending a, uh, a, a Bible study and the teacher was talking about, and he brought up the fact that God needs our worship. And I thought about that, I'm thinking, I don't think that's true. Because if God needed our worship, then he would be incomplete without us. That's not how God create. why he created us, because there was some lack in God, are you, are you tracking with me? That there was some lack in God, and because of that, well, I'm going to go, going to go ahead and create humanity so I can feel better about myself, or I'm not alone. No, that's, that's not it. Listen, God doesn't have any lack in him. He has no need of our worship. Let me, let me say this. It's in our worship of him that we find our completion. Right? Right? It's, it's in our worship as we bow, as we humble ourselves before God, as we come before him and worship, it's where we find our completion and who we are in Christ. That's how God created us. We have a need for God. God doesn't have a need for us. And so I don't, I don't know how that sets with you, but that's, that's just who God is. I'm thankful that he gave you and I the opportunity to experience his life. Right? I'm, I am so thankful for that. I am so thankful that God, in His love, looked down upon me and through a series of events brought me to the place that I realized wow, the creator of the universe knows who I am. And He has seen me sin. He knows who I am. He knows that I have a heart of wickedness and I desperately need a Savior. But yet he still loves me. Wow. He's he's not listen, he's not like you and I, where our love is often conditioned. Right? It's just unconditional. Still love me today, Lord? Absolutely. Still have a purpose and have a plan, God? Absolutely. Yeah. Aren't you thankful for that? Absolutely. Listen to Isaiah 40. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord listen to the word of God. The Lord is the everlasting God. The creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary and his understanding is unsearchable. That's that's the God we serve. He he doesn't get tired. He doesn't grow weary. He's steady. He lacks nothing. James 1.17 says this: that every good gift given and every perfect gift is from a from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. In Malachi three six, I quoted it earlier. I'm going to say it again: "For I the Lord do not change." That's the that's the God who we serve. That's the God who we serve. He is from everlasting to everlasting. Psalm 90 says, Before the mountains were born, or you gave birth to the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you were God. There is no beginning and there will be no end to God. That's kind of hard to wrap your mind around, isn't it? It's like, well, certainly there was a beginning. No. God always is and has been and will be. And because his character does not change, neither will his word. And his word is true. Um, I thought of the one scripture in the Psalms that says your word is forever established in the heavens. Numbers twenty-three nineteen says that God is not a man that he should lie nor the son of man that he should repent. Has he said and will he not do it? Or has he spoken and will he not make it good? God is not a man that he should repent or lie. Now some of you that know your Bible a little bit better are going to think of the scripture in in Samuel where um, God actually said, "I I repent that I have made Saul king. And that might be a little confusion to you. But, but let, me, let me just say this, right? Is God omniscient? Does he know everything? Yes. He, he does. So it, it, does everybody kind of know the story of Saul? Basically, um, the, the people of Israel wanted a king so that they could be like, like the rest of the nations. Do you remember that? And God wanted to be their God and God wanted to be their king. But the people of Israel kept on coming and saying, Hey, to Moses and saying, Hey, listen, we want a king like everybody else. And God says, You know what? Okay, go ahead and give them what, what they want. And I think one of the lessons in this story is be careful about what you ask for. All right? So what happened? The people of Israel chose Saul as a king. It wasn't God's choice, God's choice was David. And if you remember the story, Saul continually walked in rebellion and walked uh, in such a way that he hindered the purpose of God rather than furthered it. And so because of that, the Bible says that God says that I repent that I had made king, uh, Saul king. Um, that word repent can be used as uh, another word as remorse or I, I grieve the fact that Saul was king. So while you and I repent and we change our mind because of our lack of knowledge or a decision that we made based upon a lack of knowledge, we realize, you know what, I should have done something differently or I should have acted differently. God repents in his omniscience. So there was a grieving there. And I I think that can be true for a lot of us. You know, sometimes God just allows us to make decisions. And it's not his purpose and his plan. But he allows us to make decisions so that we'll learn, right? And have a greater understanding of who he is. And then when we make that decision out of disobedience or out of the fact that we didn't stop and actually pray and ask the Lord, you know, we learn from that. And then we walk back and say, you know what, God, I'm sorry. I blew it. And God says, okay, you're on my plan now? You're on the same page? Yes, we're on the same page as you. So God is not a God who, like, like a man who lies or repents. Matthew 24, 35 says, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my, earth, my words will never pass away. So God does not change in his essence. He does not change in his character. And then the last part that I, I really feel strongly that God wants to speak to us about today is that God does not change in his purpose and his mission for the church. Um, we will be starting a series next week from Genesis to, to Revelation about Jesus and the, the God's purpose all the way through the Bible as we know it. And so, you know, I encourage you and I'm sure you'll be here for it because it's going to be exciting. But God's always had a mission. He's always had a purpose for the church. How many knows that? How many knows his purpose doesn't change? Regardless if trumpet is trumpet, (laughs) regardless if trumpet is voted in, (laughs) right? It doesn't. You know this this year is going to be an interesting one. There's no doubt about it. (laughs) But God's purpose. Listen, the Bible says that the heart of the king is what in the in the hand of God, and He directs it wherever He wishes. And so, you know what? God's got it all under control. It wasn't, a, it wasn't a surprise vote for God. It's like, gosh, I, was, I wanted Hillary to get in there. You know, I don't think so. I don't think... So. We probably bore God. I, I, think, I think we do. I, I think we do. I, I don't think we're much of a challenge to God. But God has, listen, God has a purpose for the church. Who's the church? We are. It's not this building. You and I. People who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ. People who have uh, understood stood that Jesus died for them, and they have embraced the promises of God. And now, because the Bible says that you must be born again to enter the kingdom of God, through God's Spirit, we're born in, into the kingdom of God. And now we're sons and daughters of God, right? We have a new purpose, we have a new perspective. We have new desires. We have new goals. It's not a matter of filling the, the lust of the flesh, but it's, it's what? Fulfilling the plan of God for our lives, right? And, and that's awesome. I can't get much, much better than that. So let me, let me just take you to John 6, uh, chapter 6. And I want to um, just look to the, the miracle um, of the fish and the loaves. You guys are familiar with this. I want to go ahead and and read this. When you you look at the Gospel of John, chapter 6, okay, let me just give you a couple facts. 65 of the 71 verses talk about the miracle of the loaves and the fishes. So that whole chapter is devoted to that miracle, all right? And so um, it's interesting to me. So 65 of the 71 verses speak of the miracle Eight times, eternal life is referenced. Nine times, the incarnation of Christ is referenced, that Jesus talks about that he is the bread from heaven. And nine times, the Bible says that you must believe, or Jesus said you must believe, right? And so when we look at the story, there's, there's a message that God is wanting to communicate and teach his disciples. And the Bible mentioned disciples several times. What is a disciple? Anybody know? Not a trick question. Anybody? Like st- student, yeah, yeah. It's a learner. So a disciple is somebody who sits at the feet, you know, of their professor or whatever. It's, basically, it's a learner, you know. And so Jesus always referred to his followers as disciples because they were there and they were wanting to learn from him. I think all of us should be disciples. I think all of us should have a heart that's open and receptive to God's word and not necessarily sitting back and judging it. Well, I don't know if that's necessarily true, you know, but open and saying, God, what do you want to teach me? What do you want to show me? How do you, how do you want to grow me this, this year, 2017? And I think that's a great way, great way to start. And so let me read this. Uh, I want to read the 14 verses. And then uh, in a couple of minutes, Ira's going to come up. That's not the cue yet. I was supposed to give a cue, but that's not the cue. Um, John, John 6, verse 1 says, After these things, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. Um, a large crowd followed him because they saw the signs which he was performing on those who were sick. And then Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with who? His disciples. Now, the Passover of the feast of the Jews was near. Therefore, Jesus, lifting up his eyes and seeing that a large crowd was coming to him, said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread so that we may eat? This he was saying to test them, for he himself knew what he was intending to do. Philip answered him, Two hundred denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, for everyone to receive a little. One of his disciples Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There's a lad over here who has five barley loaves and two fish. What are those, though, among so many? And Jesus said, Have the people sit down. Now, this is one of the greatest miracles in the Bible here. and Try to to envision this and what happened. So he said, Have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place. So the men sat down in number of about 5,000. So if there's 5,000 men, there's, you know, there's probably 10,000 addition, additional family members. There's wives and there's, there's kids there. There's mother-in-law. So possibly fifteen to 20,000 people, right? So the men sat down in number of about 5,000, and Jesus then took the loaves um, that had been given, and he gave thanks And then he distributed to those who were seated, likewise also of the fish, as much as they wanted. Think about that. Think about if you were sitting there and you just begin to see this miracle unfold before you. When they were filled, he said to his disciples, Gather up the leftover fragments so that nothing will be lost. So they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with fragments from the, the five barley loaves which were left over by those who had eaten. Therefore, when the people saw the sign which he had performed, they said, This is truly the prophet who has come into the world. Pretty amazing. Okay, my cue is now. <laughs> so I'm going to ask the guys to come up. I, I, there's three lessons. Well, God's word, there's, there's a lot there. But I, I think there's three lessons uh, that we can draw from from this Portion of Scripture. Um, the, the first is that God calls us to be disciples, and you notice what God did. He you know he multiplied the bread and the fish, and then he told the disciples to pick up the fragments so that none would be lost. Do you remember how many baskets? Twelve. You think that's a coincidence? I I I think that God was was. Wanting to teach his disciples. There were 12 disciples, right? 12 baskets, one for each disciple, right? I, I think what Jesus was trying to teach his disciples is this. Number one is that when you and I, as the church, surrender our lives to God's purpose and God's plan, He will always provide for us, He will always be our bread right how many has ever had a miracle in your life that God has provided for you and it's just like you know what i don't yeah hands are going up already it's like i don't know how god did this i prayed i didn't know where the money was going to come from or i didn't know where the healing was going to come from you know whatever the doctors might have said and god all of a sudden stepped in and performed a miracle and i knew it was god i think jesus is wanting to teach you and I, this year for 2017, that as we lay down our own lives and pick up the cross and be determined and committed to follow Jesus, his promises to you and to me that he is going to provide for us, that he will be our bread. Amen? Amen. Secondly, Jesus is teaching his disciples that he was the bread of life. Listen, listen to verse 48. This is what Jesus said. He says, I am the bread of life. I am the living bread that came down out of heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread also which I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. The bread also which I give for the life of the world is my flesh. What was Jesus trying to teach them? That he was the bread of life. It wasn't. It wasn't about necessarily just filling their stomachs that day, but Jesus was talking and teaching to his disciples and to the, the masses. Listen, whosoever will, come to me and find life. I am the true life. And if you watch, listen to that dialogue, you know the the, the 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 people were coming to Jesus and said, "Well, Moses, you know, gave us this the the, the uh, food in the desert." And, and all of these things, and, and, and Jesus said, you know what? It was God who gave you the bread in the desert, but I am the true bread. Listen, Jesus is the true bread. It's through his life and his death that he gives life to the world. It's through his life and his death that we can receive life, eternal life, spiritual life. Isn't that exciting? Yeah. Absolutely. It's through, yeah, it's, 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 it's through Jesus. And I'm gonna I'm gonna finish you up with this, and then there was one other lesson that, that I think that's important to us. Remember I, the, the, sixty-five of the seventy-one verses are committed to the, the, the miracle of the bread and the fishes, right? The other six, the other six verses are right in, right smack in the middle of the chapter, and they have to do with the fact that Jesus sent his disciples to Capernaum. Remember that? And the Bible says that it became dark. Jesus wasn't with them. And if you look at parallel scriptures in the Gospels, Jesus was praying, right? But the Bible says that he looked out, and the winds were beginning to kick up, and a storm was coming in. And the Bible says that the disciples were terrified. Do you remember what happened next? Jesus came to them walking on the water. They thought he was a ghost, and then... They recognize, no, it's, it's Jesus. And here Jesus is, the Son of God, the eternal God, the everlasting God, the Jesus that does not change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever, right? Yeah. Comes to them walking on the water. His creation. It says, peace. It's just me. And the Bible says that when they welcomed him into the boat, they were at the place that they intended to go. All of a sudden, they were the land. Isn't that amazing? So what, what does God want to teach us there? I, I want to suggest to you today that no matter what happens in 2017, Jesus has promised us as his church that his presence will go with us, right? His presence will be with us. He will never leave us nor forsake us. And because of that, we can be assured We can be assured that God is going to take care of things. He is our refuge and He is our hope. Amen? Amen. Praise God. So I'm going to turn it over to Ira.
1: Joe, we're going to respond to that word and Jesus being the bread of life and just to take an opportunity to worship with one more song. And as we do, why don't you stand with us? We're going to pass the elements. I know you can stand, worship, and pass the elements at the same time. We're going to do all those three things. And, uh, and just give this time as a special time in the beginning of 2017 to the Lord.
2: Could not hold The veil tore Before You silenced the-
1: Jesus. Thank you, Lord. What a great God we serve. What a wonderful name. How sweet is the name of Jesus Christ. It speaks to us exactly what Joe was talking about the unchanging love of God, the unchanging purposes of God, His power and His grace for us. It all comes out in that amazing name, the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. I know we're a little subdued today. Everybody had too much fun last night. But can we celebrate the name of Jesus Christ right now? Let's do the chorus again. Can we do the chorus again? Didn't ask them to do this earlier. Can we? And Let's celebrate the name of Jesus, all right? Just as loud as you can. Just use all of your energy, not because of some other reason, except for the fact that Jesus Christ is worth it. Amen?
2: What a powerful name it is What a powerful
1: name it is Hallelujah, Lord Glory to your name, Lord Jesus Christ, Christ Jesus, glory to
2: you What a powerful name it is Nothing can stand it What a powerful name it is The name of Sing it again What a powerful name
1: Christ. Hallelujah, Lord. Right now, just think about any area in your life right now that you're struggling, that you need the name of Jesus Christ in right now. Think of it. Maybe it's your finances. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe you're depressed. Maybe you're struggling with addictions. Right now, the name of Jesus Christ, the all-powerful King of kings and Lord of lords can come into that area. Receive him. Receive the name. Receive the power of Jesus Christ in this area in your life right now. Be set free because of his glory, because of his unchanging love and his unchanging purpose. He is there to set us free, and he has come to do that. Hallelujah, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. Lord, we take this bread and you said that we should take it. On the night you were betrayed, you, you broke the bread and you gave thanks. And you said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And when we think about remembering, we think about all of history. And your incredible unchanging promise for us. Not only that. We also remember that today you are calling us. You are the same yesterday. Today you change us today. And then tomorrow you are unchanging. And yet your promises are for us. For tomorrow. We take this bread which represents your body broken for us. And we eat it, remembering your goodness, remembering your promises, remembering that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. In Jesus' name, let's eat the bread together. He then said, in the same way after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And so, Lord, we just proclaim your death, which now covers our sins. Your blood spilled for us has covered our sins. We present ourselves to you. And we recognize that we have a lot of foibles, a lot of issues, a lot of sin, a lot of bad thinking, stinking thinking. But the blood of Jesus Christ covers it all. And we are safe in your presence. Not just safe right now. We are safe forever in your presence. Unchanging Your love is unchanging. Our security in your presence is unchanging. And we proclaim your death, that Jesus Christ died on the cross so that we could have this forgiveness of sins and we could have this amazing eternal safety and relationship with the creator God. Let's drink together. Thank you, Lord. I just want to give opportunity for anyone who might just want to recommit themselves to the Lord today. It's a great day to do it. Maybe you don't know the Lord, or maybe you want to recommit yourself to the Lord today. This is a perfect opportunity. Because he said yesterday he loves you, and he wants to forgive you. He says today that he loves you, and he wants to forgive you. And he will say it tomorrow if there is a tomorrow for us. But the Bible is very clear. It says today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. So today is your opportunity. If there's an area in your life you want to give to the Lord, if, there's, if you want to give your whole life to the Lord and say, please forgive me of my sins, I just want you to raise your hands. Just raise your hands. Use this first day of the year as an opportunity to give yourself back to the Lord today. Lord God, right now we do that. We want to give ourselves back to you. Can we just say a prayer together? You guys want to repeat this prayer? Jesus, who was and is and is to come, I give myself to you. You are my Lord and Savior. You are the leader of my life and the forgiver of my sins. And I thank you that because of that, I am set free. I am free of fear, anxiety, depression, stress, because my dad is watching over me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. God is so good, isn't he? Can you sense his presence here right now? That's good. Take that with you. Love, people. This series is going to be an awesome series on just seeing this amazing perspective of Jesus in the Old Testament brought right up to the present day. So have a blessed, blessed day. God bless you. Happy New Year.